0: Hello and welcome to Misbehave, the podcast where we explore human behaviour in a business context. Season 2 of Misbehave is all about uncovering behavioural patterns which create success in life and business. We're joined by highly driven, accomplished individuals to assess their behavioural patterns and dive into how behaviours have influenced their journey. On this episode, we're joined by straight-talking entrepreneur Laura Morgan, who built an international business Pacific Direct at the age of 23, going on 17 years later to sell her majority share for 20 million. Now, Laura is a serial entrepreneur who co-owns and invests in sustainable, wellbeing-centric British brands, including Center.com, Kit Bricks, and Yogi Bear. We talk about everything from combining commerciality and sustainability, the concept of having it all, and the unapologetic authenticity that has driven her success. Well, welcome, Laura. We are so pleased to have you join us today. And I think a good way to kick off and just give a little bit of an intro before we sort of dig into some of the detail behind your journey is what do you feel have been the biggest wins of your career and journey so far?
1: So there's lots of ways of calculating win, and I'll default to my favorite, which is as I've been lucky enough to build both local and international businesses, I've both employed people, but worked and sold to people who I can honestly say are a a network of international friends, an extended family group. We do good work together. The win is always the people. They're always the pain as well, but the upside is far
2: better than the downside. Yeah. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think when when we look at your behavioral profile, you've got a big piece, uh, we call it external, but it's that connection piece to people and like wanting to be able to gather feedback and thoughts and build that the connection with people to be able to progress your thoughts and make help you inform your decisions moving forward. And I think the people element um, certainly, and we'll come on to it, some of the work that you're currently doing and, and the well being of people is, is a big thing that kind of threads through a lot of the stuff that you do.
1: The thing that always surprises me, honestly, is I mean, literally, I was just giggling because I wrote this card just now. I'm spending, I'm going in a bus with Paddy or a van later today. And Mm -hmm. he only started with us a month ago, but me bothering to write a card to him. And he's been with us about a month. I know it's going to make an impression, right? I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm commercial. I will milk people for all they're worth, but I am really honest about it. And in return, they get to learn. They get to go outside their comfort zones, which sometimes there'll be a certain amount of resistance and objection to. But the truth is, is that in doing so, the buzz they get actually, I know, determines a level of loyalty as they start to enjoy challenges or they get to travel or all the upsides that we can share equally by taking the burden of pressure off ourselves and sharing it with a group of people because people will always surprise themselves on what they're capable of
0: absolutely yeah Mm. sure and i think that's a really it's a really lovely way to think about it because and we had we've done a couple of earlier podcasts where we talked about some of this around the people piece doesn't have to feel the pink and fluffy warm piece always it's actually about giving people experiences and challenging them and and then when they reflect back on it actually being able to say god it was that experience or it was that person that actually helped carve out the person that I am now. I think that leads us really nicely on a question around motivators for you and thinking about early in your journey what was some of the early motivators drivers for you to sort of start to do some of the things that you were doing? I mean, very early. My dad went bankrupt and I
1: had to get a job. So I guess it's the motivation to eat and drink. And because I was pretty young to party, which would um, seems a very long time ago, sadly, my dad very slowly went bankrupt. So I already had a kind of budgeting outlook as a child. And then I got my first job because I couldn't mm-hmm. afford to go to university so motivated to stay able to pay the bills. That's a very good motivator in my experience. Absolutely,
0: I, well, yeah. I, sure. treat
1: my, I treat my children similarly. They may not appreciate it at the moment, yeah. but they may look back and think differently. And then I think you just start to learn what you might refer to as leadership skills, and you start to appreciate the importance that you'll never grow without a great team, right? You can never expand a really good business without a team of people because you can't do it all. You run out of bandwidth, right? So. The motivator there is where do I want to go and how do I get there? And then having a plan Mm -hmm. around it and you're not going to do it. I mean, literally this morning I was texting the very wonderful lady who cleans my manor. And without her, I can't be organized to do the next thing this weekend because she's going to do some ironing for me. And it sounds really trite, but actually that, that, that responsibility is really important to me and to her and we perform together and without her, I can't be where I am looking smart or at a very basic level, right? And I value that in the same way that I've got an international call with a CEO because that person's going to achieve help me, we together are going to achieve something. And I'm painfully aware that different people, different skills. And I learned that awareness early because I was 23 running a very fast growing company, which kind of happened by mistake of doing the best that I could. It went really well and I just kept doing it and kept making mistakes. And the faster you make mistakes, the faster you learn. And kind of that's something I've lived by. Unfortunately, as you get older, you get more reserved and you have to kind of revert to your younger self and go, oh, sod it. I'm going to pretend I'm still an idiot or that I don't know as much as I now know, which might hold me back. And actually, I'm also going to surround myself with really other minds and I'm going to listen to them because actually... You know, even this weekend with a group of family members, I showed them one of our new products from Bricks, which is this waterproof-based bag. Got amazing bits of feedback very clearly from part of the audience and uh, others completely wrote off my product, could not see the value in it, and I, and it really confirmed something and makes me even more excited. Now, that's family. Yeah. But equally, my business family can be just as powerful and opinionated, fortunately, but we must encourage that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Tell just tell the listeners a little bit about your journey um, with Pacific Direct, uh, just so we can understand that that early stage piece for you and and what what that journey yeah, felt I mean, like a as a leader. Twenty
1: three year old started a business in nineteen ninety one because it was the last recession. There were no sales jobs. The only skill I had was selling. I had several years of experience being a salesperson, so I kind of went out and started a business selling sewing kits and shower caps, and off the back of that going, well, I needed kind of sales admin support, then I need operational support. So I started working out what kind of characteristics. And it's ironic because we now have techniques like DISC or other measures. And you know, I was reading about some very senior recruiting stuff this morning, and we've moved on a long way. But the more we can understand, first of all, our own self-awareness of what we want to surround other people by. So the behaviors that we by nature, um, put out and also the poor bit, be- not just the poor, but the really good behaviors. I was talking to my daughter on a dog walk this morning, you know, the value of understanding who you are and how you say it. And I mean, even I said to her this morning, look, you're tall and you're powerful and you're strong and you're fit and you're healthy, and you're going to scare the shit out of some people. So be careful <laughs> how you criticize yeah. or how you give feedback or how you, cause she's planning to have a conversation with a friend that says basically, uh, we need to have a conversation, and I think we need to say no more at that point. But my my team that I gathered round enabled me to grow Britain's fifty seventh fastest growing company, and all we did was sell soap to hotels and shampoos and shower gels, and then we tried to export, and that went quite well. So we did it again, and we kept kind of so we exported to one hundred and ten countries. We built uh, offices in nine. We had. Factories in China and the Czech Republic. We had a joint venture in Egypt. I mean, it sounds like it's an unbelievable story. And I sold that business 15 years ago with 467 people who spoke up. I think we had 17 languages and we exported to 110 countries. Now, if that idiotic 23-year-old could just keep by trial and error learning. And don't get me wrong. I made so many mistakes along the way. It was so powerful that I was such an idiot and so uneducated I had no business degree <laughs> you know and I I still don't have a business degree either you know every book in the WH Smith business section yes. was the way I learned to grow pacific <laughs> And they're only a 10 out of probably 15 quid now, which is really annoying, but you know, you can't say you can't afford three coffees to learn and to then solve a problem. And then to share that problem with others who might execute it better than you, because nine times out of 10, they're going to be better than you because your
0: skill is whatever your skill is. And that, Lifelong learning piece, I think, was kind of what you're talking about there. And that really tailors with some of your patterns, of that almost that bias for action, that high-evolutionary approach to change, you know, and constantly yeah. evolving and growing. And that big picture vision, those those big dominances for you all sort of tailor together into some <laughs> of that. I was listening to a talk that you gave, um, and I thought was really interesting when you were talking about this thought process that you believe you can have it all but that the concept of balance is bullshit (laughs) and i'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because i think it sits so well with our beliefs you know where firm believers especially with women that you can have it all you can do things you don't need to put a glass ceiling on yourself but there is, that's not without, without sacrifice. And actually this whole thing of balance doesn't really, we don't like that word. So interested to hear, you know, you talk a little bit about that.
1: So the brutal honesty is that, first of all, I, I guess a lot of British people listen to this. So I would say to you that, that nearly none of them will have a life plan. Well, I had a life plan in 2004. I went to a an american day of learning which was brilliant and genuinely changed my life and i learned about the balanced pie and how actually if i choose to work 65% of the time because it makes me happy and if i then just divide the rest of my pie that other 35% between the most important things to me but if i strive to try and find the choice or the one word happiness in my case it was choice initially because i wanted the freedom of choice to do what i wanted to do for the rest of my life to achieve some of the other things I worked out that actually, I you know, I just needed to communicate what made me happy. I needed to communicate really well. And, you know, I have three relatively civilized children, some of them tight so they're not always civilized, but I've nearly shoved them out the door. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally selling my manor next month, meaning they won't have a home to come to because I'm going to become a digital nomad. <laughs> I'm deadly serious. Um, yeah. I'm actually scared shitless as well. Um, but I've got a brand called Centered and yet I don't believe balance, which, in Balance, which makes me giggle because the truth is, is that even on the days when it's great, some other bugger gets in the way. The marketplace changes. You can't control COVID. You can't, You can't control everything. And if you spend your whole time trying to prevent pointless and petty irregularities and plan for everything, you'll get caught out and you'll be late to the party anyway. Some other person will have got there. So I don't believe in perfection. I believe in a certain amount of winging it. I believe in cobbling it together sometimes. I believe you've got to fake it till you make it. I believe that you can share and spread the load. Um, and I believe sometimes you've got to suck it up and, and put your head down and get up early like I did today because I've got a busy day and I've already done some yoga, had a dog walk, but in between I've done quite a lot of work and some learning because that's kind of how I work my cadence So balance is also what do you try and cram into the day? It's your choice. How important is the exercise piece to you? It should be disproportionately important. You've only got one engine, one body. I can't believe people don't put an effort in, even on the times in Pacific when it was bad. And, you know, that could mean September the 11th, you know, I nearly lost the company. I would still find time to get fresh air or have a moment to myself or, take a run at the weekends even though i was definitely fat in in september the 11th as in fat unhealthy as in not a happy mother but working my ass off and trying to fix things there is this ever never-ending juggle and I, I don't think it's a biased if we choose it not to be i think weak women let it be a bias that they do all the caring because they're not strong enough to go hey it's your mum and dad too you know You've got a mum and dad. Are you pulling your weight? Why, why does it fall to the women? So I don't believe in that. I just believe that's weak women. And if weak women want to keep complaining to each other about being weak women, they're going to continue being weak women when they need to get in the boys' playground. So the bullshit of us not, to some extent, something to have to take the balls by the horns. But actually, yeah. you don't need to, this you know, nonsense of, do I need to be aggressive? Do I need to swear? It's all rubbish. Just be who you are. Because if a 23-year-old can build a business and exit for 20 million at the age of 40, which is now 15 years ago, I would suggest that I had, yes, a very good education. I wasn't overly qualified. I didn't do economics as a business, you know, A-level. I didn't do any... I did biology, English, I can't even remember, history of art, something. Anyway, the point is, is that, you know, I just worked it out. And I think self-awareness has helped in that, that behavioral value of my parents always making us think that it doesn't matter whether you're the rubbish bin collector or the CEO, you should be treated with respect. You all have skills and qualities. You don't know whether the rubbish bin collector actually plays for the all blacks of New Zealand and he just does it to keep fit, which is something they do do, by the way. Yeah. You know, and I just love that analogy of all that explanation of don't judge a book by its cover because you
2: might get very caught out. Yeah. It's really interesting. You talk in there about Choices, and I think for us, um, one of your behavioural patterns is—it's actually called choices as high choices. Ninety percent, you're ninety percent, which is actually my biggest, and Laura's really high in it too. But what that means is, is that you are driven and your reason for doing things is to give you flexibility. You like choices, that freedom of choice is so, such a big driver. Yeah. Whereas the opposite to that is where people are very mo- much more procedurally driven. They like structure and a start on an end. And, and, and that, that works for some people, but you know, your if you listen to what you, you just described there in your journey, it was about creating your own choice and and it's your choice. So what works for you doesn't necessarily mean is right for someone else. Yeah. And I think that's such a, and sometimes we end up taking choice away from people in teams. And if it's your biggest motivator, one of your biggest things that really helps you, like, you know, really important to you, and it's taken away and you get too much structure and too much process. And I know we need some of that in a business for sure. But certainly for me, it's having the choice that's really important. And I think, you know, listening to, The behavioral piece is really important looking at your team and and appreciating what they bring to the table, but also that you need to manage them differently depending on who they are.
1: So so true. I mean, there was a girl at Pacific called Carol Ann who was the brilliant financier who filled in the boxes and kind of swept up after me. And if I put her, she would leave work and she'd put her pen in the middle of the keyboard in the days when not everybody had laptops, right? And she would knew, I, know I'd been in the office because I would go out of my way to move the pen to the left or the right. right? <laughs> I
0: was Correct. about to say
1: how But it was, so so you polished, but it was my language of consuming, of, of communicating, how are you? Because I may or may not have seen her. Yeah. She, you've been at it again. Um, <laughs> Mandy, you know, my EA in those days and still my EA, she's come back to even though I had to make a redundant at one stage, which just shows you the power of relationships if you treat people fairly. You know, we used to yeah. laugh, but Mandy... I was going through a really tough time at One Life, and I just delivered a bottle of gin and a straw to her. <laughs> and and ever since, and we laugh about it, but actually giving her flowers was pointless. What she wanted really was a gin. And so I also think that, <laughs> you know, the accountant is the accountant for a particular reason. They are box fillers. They like things mm-hmm. to add up. They, you know, I'm a, just a bloody nuisance. But I also had an FD called Nigel, whose who's sort of working title was Doom. <laughs> because... <laughs> because he was the foil to my endless and relentless determination and enthusiasm to get stuff done and I was I used to be scared shitless of Nigel even though I employed him but I mean he was a proper grown-up suit and had a big brain and <laughs> you know could do excel sheets like no tomorrow and actually it's that contrast that we rely on Absolutely. in the same way that my husband Um, I came up with a brilliant title, but he was God, which is group operating director. And I mean, I had the title of chief big banana because I don't give a toss. Call me big potato. I just don't give a care about hierarchy. What I care about is that we execute the role and we should never talk about the person. We should talk about the role and we should design the role in order to grow the business and then recruit the person to do the role that's required. I'm going through exactly the same thing. So this is very fresh in my mind, but you know after pacific i've been through a hell journey in the sense that you know i've had some family challenges and i've learned about mental health and i when i saw pacific i was holding on to the armchair the the arms of armchairs just to get air in my body because i was so tired i couldn't get air deeply so i've had a total kind of uh, health adjustment and a lifestyle adjustment and i'm the least earthy crunchy person in the world but without an open outlook, I would never have bought into the aromatherapy belief that I have that if you modernize aromatherapy, and you can use it as a miniature tool to remind you to have a better day. I mean, I used to do this thing where I used to stick a sticker on the middle of my watch. Well, nobody wears a bloody watch to tell the time anymore. It's just jewelry. But actually, if I can put a mindful well-being portable therapy balm in every person's pocket and they can have a better wellness conversation, or they can just remember that it's okay not to be okay, which is a Samaritans poster at Clapham Junction Station that I look at every time I walk up platform nine. I want people to just sometimes slow down and look around them because I took a rose into one of my warehouse people's desk the other day because she lost her father a year ago and he used to give her a flower. Yeah. Oh God.
2: And Lovely. It's,
0: it is those, it's those it it, it feels like there's a theme of this recently that we've been talking to a lot of people about these like intentional pauses care but personalized it must be personalized
1: you know the reason we have choice is because what's good for me isn't good for you you know i can't i can't kick a football but i like soccer i watch it but i won't play it some people want to play it they don't want to
0: watch it it doesn't matter what's right for you It's about giving, it's that, again, that choice, isn't it? It's like, if you need whatever it is that you need to feel. And it's interesting because we, and I think this is, this is things that sometimes when you're scaling a business as an entrepreneur, you get so caught up in the journey and the pace and the opportunities that are coming at you that you almost get swept away in the tide of it. No, learn to say no, don't get swept away, stick to the strategy. We all do it, by the way. Every entrepreneur
1: I know lacks focus. We're like drug addicts who just want the next shiny toy it's going to
0: change your life that is describe but, me. Actually, <laughs> but I've had to be really you're right though because I, I now have to be disciplined. really disciplined and we do it with each other where we can almost be like right I can and we because we know each other's behavior so well and we know each other every day we can even tell with one glance you need to go and do this and we know what each other's pauses are and what works for us and what doesn't and I think that tuning in and that almost that leaders it's not enough to do the conscious stuff but actually subconsciously are you tuning into your team and what they need and also are you giving them skills around resilience because are you
1: saying it's okay to feel crap sometimes and are you saying look between meetings don't be afraid of walking outside onto the balcony but don't jump if you're in london you know (laughs) go around the block i mean you know I, i think We've also got to be respectful, but not everybody has the luxury of lifestyle of one person or another person. You know, I, I can run to the top of my hill and scream and nobody will hear me. Maybe the deers will be shit scared. But, you know, um, <laughs> I think the other thing is, is that the, the resilienceness of some of the simplicity at the moment, you can find mint in weeds everywhere. Bothering to have a cup of mint after I eat in the evenings is my adjustment from kind of mindset of work to mindset of actually I'm getting ready for bed you know, and yeah. the rituals of how we live life, people going and getting their, what is it, the one that has lots of coffee in it, flat white to give them an early morning boost. I'm mm-hmm. trying to be really disciplined, which is why I made you let me have my espresso before 11. Espresso. Um, but I mean, you know, <laughs> what what is mint to someone is anathema to another. You know, I'm sitting here with my water bottle because I, I actually do. and But don't get me wrong, I have practiced to practice a better lifestyle. I used to literally race for aeroplanes and trains and automobiles. I was selling in 110 countries. The idea that I led a really healthy life when all you got was bloody airport food is nonsense, right? It's difficult, Mm -hmm. but you you can work it to be better.
2: And it's, we do say that like, you know, around building good habits. I mean, Laura and I have have, have uh, actually designed a journal and it's not out yet. We've just been going through test phase. But one of the reasons we did that was to thread through some behavioral stuff and research that we know helps people drive better behaviors in a and environment and personal environment. And that the two yeah. go hand in hand. But you have to practice it. So, you know, people say to me, well, you get up and have a walk and You know, you like exercise. I like it, but I also know how good it is for me. And actually I create space because often it's the time that you're most stressed. You need, the, you need it more than ever. Which is hard. Right? Yeah. You need it more than ever. And you need to, t- you know, what you're putting in is more important because your body's going to react to it. So but it's often that the times of stress that it goes at the bottom of the list. And that's the time when you mm. need it. Right. It would be great to hear a little bit more about like your, what you're doing now so if you could just tell us a little bit more about like the what's the common thread that's running through the businesses that you have now
1: yeah i mean the common thread is that when you're privileged enough to make life-changing money and you're still 39 40 years old and you've got three children children under the age of six that you need to bring up properly and you also have defined that stuffing get you know money in their pockets isn't the answer you have got to demonstrate that you've got a work ethic you've got to go to work in a sense and and actually you're in this really luxurious and privileged position where you have the ability to be more structured and purposeful about the things that you do and the time that you spend. So I clearly uh, made loads of stuff ups after I first sold Pacific. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But I'm now in a position where I can hand on heart say I kind of have a family investment portfolio. So I have the idea that I can sell a bag with no soggy bottom possibility makes me it just makes me smile. Yeah. But actually, as a mum of sporting kids, Kitbricks K I T B R I X, literally sells a brilliantly unique bag. The world doesn't need another bag, but it needs another bag with a waterproof base that's really cleverly designed. And we're launching that with Paula Radcliffe. So that's really cool and quite scary because she's a really fast runner and I'm massive fat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but equally, I've got centered, which is the mind, you know, I'll take it out of my pocket. But because you know, says she grabbing the focus bomb, rosemary sage sniffs. <laughs> but I mean, the mantra of stop, inhale, reset and the idea that I can put, so for ADHD children, for mums who are having problems sleeping when they really need a good night's sleep, for shift workers, for nurses, for, for anybody actually trying to do habit change, this is, whilst this is beautifully scented and the blends are really intelligent and it's proper modernized aromatherapy, it's actually just a tool for you to go breathe i can breathe i'm all right i'll take back control and i'm deeply passionate about health and well-being and everything in health starts with your mindset but the minute you put the word mind in you scare people off so let's just call it a health and well-being bomb let's be really honest about the point that i want it as a price of a coffee at a till point let's and then i have a yoga brand called yogi bear which has performance yoga product it's brilliant it's fun it's cheeky but the whole idea of cat's business was to make Really high quality product, accessible, but also long lasting through quality because throughout the businesses is a thread of sustainability. I mean, says she opening a balm and twisting it and going, see, it's refillable. Yeah. And I, you know, (laughs) but actually that took years. I mean, it took years of pain. And, you know, we have a, says she in the middle of summer, showing you a Christmas stocking because we're obviously thinking of Christmas at the moment. This is made of scrap recycled felt material. I'm really proud of that. And, Actually, what I'm really even more excited by is that the world is changing and they are starting to put packaging consideration much higher on the agenda. And boy, do sure. we need to, right? I mean, I'm the one that yeah. created the bloody plastic ocean selling mini shampoos and shower gels. I should be shocked.
0: <laughs> You're doing your balance now. You're resetting me to recolaborate. I am.
1: I, literally, literally, it is that. And I've got to be proud as well that if I'm going to continue working, and I mean, I used to think, you know, there, was, there is this word legacy. I do not want to sell diluted stuff. I do not want to sell stuff that isn't useful for everyone. I do not want to sell product that doesn't have a long life. I do not want to sell items that when you can make them sustainable, like our, you know, our tote bag is made out of recycled fabric at Kit Briggs, but and it's taken a lot of pain to then develop it. And now, yay, we can have other colors in it. And the world <laughs> is changing and the manufacturers yeah. are changing, but it's up to the creators, which are, by the way, the only people that are going to survive after AI. We're the ones that can make the difference. And Britain is brilliant at innovating. Yeah. You've just got to stop selling it to the bloody
0: Americans. And I think what you're describing, I mean, you've got massive, I think you're 100% big picture. (laughs) So that visionary piece for you. But what you're describing, which I think is is really interesting for, for leaders and entrepreneurs, is... Be purposeful. Figure out what your purpose is, what your passion is, what drives you, and put that at the center of your business. That then becomes really what you've just walked us through there is your filter for decisions. And it gives you that sense of a a core purpose to be able to reference everything back to. Because you said, uh, we were talking about something you'd said around you can't see the point in running a business if you're not growing it and I want to dig into that a little bit because I think but growing it in a way that is still purposeful and not getting how do you balance almost that because you've got this big action and goal piece in you how do you balance that with that per- still maintaining that purpose at the core?
1: if I'm very honest I'm I'm very painfully aware that I'm privileged because I now have some money When you have money and you have backing, and when it's your own money, you make your own decisions. You're in a much easier position, right? And actually with Pacific, because I was scared witless all the time. And I lived with a kind of imposter going, you can't, nobody, you know, you'll never get away with this. Um, I never actually took any investment on. And actually I'm due to go for investment with Centred because I I would never put a business in the marketplace where I didn't think I was going to give a very significant return on investment for somebody risking their hard-earned money. And I think when you in the same way that when you employ people, your mindset, my mindset was get up on the first of the month and work my socks off until I knew I could pay all of my people. And I would work relentlessly before paying myself, before even considering that. It was about don't employ the next person unless you knew you could afford them. Now, I made some mistakes because I had more money than cents when I sold Pacific. So I've probably, to some extent, wasted some money, but that's a new learning in my life. And aren't I lucky that I could waste it? And I'm not stupid about it, but you know, I'll paddle like the swan, like crazy underneath to try and always catch up and 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 frankly bootstrap and, and squeeze the lemon. I have all this yeah. language. But I always think if you can get the double whammy, which is you can have fun as you're doing it. And the journey is now much easier because I've had some journeys before. I used to own some shares in a company called Dry but I chose to share sell those shares because in the end, if it isn't fun anymore being involved in a company, if you don't agree morally or... For whatever reasons you're you're not enjoying the path that you're on, change it, right? You know, there's a very big world out there, you know. And when it's really bad, as a leader, take a bloody holiday. You can't help yourself. You're going to think about the business, and you're either going to come back and you're going to go, I have the love, I have the enthusiasm, I feel better. I'm going to reset, or sell it, or close it, right? Because you can't be enthusiastic and fake it. The one you can't fake authenticity. And I was really struggling with one of my companies where I didn't think we'd got the proposition to a point where it was all uniquely right. So therefore, I felt I was a fraud. I don't want to be a fraud selling just another product, which has no point of difference. Because I also believe you make value by being niche. And that's where, going back to what you said earlier, leadership gets overwhelmed because it keeps saying yes and gets attracted and distracted yeah. by you know shiny things and new ideas. But actually... We need to stay abreast of newness and AI is in enormously a challenge, but I must stay on my path and I must stay focused. But you know, maybe I'm learning that with grey
2: head determination. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think you know the authenticity piece is 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 important, particularly. I mean what I'm interested in is we've we've spoken to a number of entrepreneurs where they've had, you know, they that they wanna they have a very, very clear cause and sustainability is a massive piece currently. And for a lot of people that balance of being commercial while still focusing on the sustainability element of generating a product. And obviously then people keeping the product, not renewing it because it's such good quality. How do you balance that? Because that's bloody
1: hard. So, I mean, Kit Bricks is made so well. We never have returns. I mean, we've probably had, I think we've had one return this year. Kit Bricks is robust, like you can't believe. I mean, the guy that makes it is a genius to make it is very difficult. It takes really, thick thread. So it's much more sewing skills, etc. But I think this is the problem with the dishonesty of greenwashing. And I think this is where kind of companies that have a diary that say, here's the progress we're making. Like I know that the base of this bag is not environmentally friendly. So I say it in bloody big letters. I've got a bloody tire factory trying to reconstitute um, recycled tires into the base, but we can't get it to work and stitch it at the moment. So I'm very honest on the inner label where it says this fabric and these handles, but the base ain't. With centered, there's stuff like I won't go to market with a particular package until I've solved solved the uh, compostability or the recyclability. And now I've hit a brick wall because actually the trouble with some compostable material is it biodegrades. And so if my sell-through isn't quick enough... I'll be selling my retailer a dud, which I will never do. So, when we first bought it out, we bought it out in what I would call less than in friendly, environmentally friendly plastic. But we, you know, and literally last week I was with my marketing director going, I can't believe on our big bombs. We haven't told them we've got refills on the front of the packaging. So, it's an iterative process, right? Yeah. So, as long as I think we're honest and as a team, we're clear and we're not greenwashing or green hushing or under or emphasizing one thing to overemphasize another and i went to a greenwashing lecture 2 weeks ago because i'm anal now and should should probably lecture on this stuff because i really i i think the evolution of it is great but i've also got you know an earthy crunchy artist daughter who makes stuff out of seaweed but it's clever and i'm learning stuff from my kids and we need to learn stuff from all around us i mean she's just done an art piece an installation using old shoes as her sculpture, and it's brilliant because it says a lot. It's called Shoe Shoe Fitty. Apparently, it follows some sort of song. I have no idea, but you know. And her art is is painted in this case on you know old sheets. Actually, we just need to be more imaginative about those things. But in answer to the commerciality, I think sometimes you're better going slow to go quick. And I think part of the danger of being dragon's den orientated is you think it's all going to happen overnight. Just research how long it took the dragons to make their money.
0: Yeah. And I think that's great advice because I think there's a lot of pressure out there just for entrepreneurs. Slow down to go fast. Trying to do it quick. Yeah. And just what's the rush? Like you've got time. I mean, when we were looking at your journey with Pacific Direct, you know, that was a journey. And part of the fun, if you enjoy what you're doing and you're passionate about it, is. Your journey, right? It's not about, you know, we didn't, we did an episode with a guy that Sarah and I know really well. And he was talking about, we did an episode about exit and actually how brutal and awful the exit process was. And actually, he took the time to enjoy the journey, but so many entrepreneurs don't. They're just focused on that end point. As a little wrap up, Laura, because I'm conscious of time, Mm -hmm. what is your next big thing? Because we know that the visionary piece in you, the action piece in you, what's the next? big thing that you're working on i mean the next immediate big thing is i cycle for a charity called
1: one more child one the letter m-o-r-e child and the charity ride is ride 25 and we support 230 children in an orphanage that have been abandoned so it's very important but on a sort of wellness kind of thing i'm moving to america because i have a global outlook the centered brand in particular is is going to be a very big brand and I want to see it at what they call FMCG Till Point, CPG in America. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go and sell my socks off in America for a period of time and also build Kit Bricks, which is you know an outdoor passion, and support the investments that I've got like Better Space, which is an online corporate health and wellbeing platform. And frankly appallingly, badly, try and slow down to speed up because I'm as ill-disciplined as the next person, but stay fit in the process.
0: Amazing. I think that's an amazing message and note to end on. Well, thank you so much. We have loved talking to you and we can't wait to follow along in all the things you do next. Enjoy. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. So let's wrap up with some takeaways from a great episode with Laura. The first one and a big theme in our conversation was this thought process of choice and that actually in most situations you have some semblance of choice but that a lot of the time those choices may not be obvious and they're certainly not always easy often those choices require sacrifice but staying in situations whether that's in business or in a personal life that actually don't serve you or aren't making you happy because of this illusion of not having a choice is actually you just living without purpose and not striving for the happiness that you could get by making some difficult decisions and difficult choices so the second piece we talked about was the concept of Laura having this life plan and going on that experience and creating that and hers was actually focused around happiness and we talked about the concept of balance when it came to this and that actually balance is is just unreachable in the majority of the time, that actually it's more around looking at percentages of time or pockets of time and actually what you can focus on in any given moment. We do some exercises with the clients that we work around auditing different areas of their life and giving themselves a score out of 10. And the purpose is not to score 10 out of 10 in every area at any given moment. It's the acknowledgement that as your life moves and business changes, that actually you'll go on these highs and lows. And at sometimes you'll put more time into one thing and other times you'll put more time into the other. So it's less about that strive for balance, but more about having a purposeful plan for how you want to feel and how you want to experience life and then moving those focuses around between those buckets at different moments in time, depending on what you need. And the last one, obviously the work that Laura's doing now is highly sustainable, but we had a really interesting conversation around this balance between commerciality and sustainability. And it's one that we see with business owners who have both products and services, but especially product driven businesses that actually there's, you usually have two sides of the coin, that there's either a real focus on commercial and then potentially leaders not using their power for good, or there's people and entrepreneurs that really strive for the the sustainability element of what they do. But then in the process, often get lost in this perfection of a product and not releasing things until the packaging's perfect, the product's perfect. And actually what Laura described was this, you've got to release that because to get something perfect the first time, there's so many barriers that come with sustainability that sometimes you've got to release a product that is partly sustainable or is more sustainable than previous and then continue to evolve as you go but not focus on perfection first of all otherwise you then potentially lose that commerciality edge
2: thank you for listening to misbehave follow us so you don't miss out on other episodes